Um, just a little of, of our history. Um, this church has been around for a long time. Uh, I think the block out there says 1959, but I think it started in the 30s. Um, first time I visited here was about 1980 or so. And they probably had 50 college students then. Uh, that uh, said, we kind of have these ebbs and flows, and there are times when uh, some students stay. In fact, you'll see little kids running all over the place right now. Well, most of those families uh, were students about 10 years ago, and a little more, up to 15, but um, that's, that's some stay, right? Say, we love this area, we're not leaving, and they get married, and have critters, and, and uh, you know, it, 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 it works good. <laughs> um, this elder that just passed away was 68. He had been a northern student. Uh, in fact, he came up here with his wife in 1973, and uh, one of the things they did almost immediately was put up a teepee and live in that for over a year. Uh, so that tells you a little bit of his background and what he was <laughs> chasing. Um, they came to the Lord through a funeral in 1986, so they had already been up here a number of years and were kind of freaked out by church even, um, but came for the family to the funeral and ended up accepting Christ. Uh, they got involved almost right away, uh, started helping out with the youth, uh, one day, the youth are talking and going, yeah, it's probably it's bad to smoke pot. And Bill hears this and goes, oh. Uh, and so he quit. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, was, it wasn't legal in those days. And I mean, you know, it's just, but he, through the years, you know, he just kept investing himself in the Lord. And, and when I came here, he was an elder and they, he and Pat both are known for their prayer and uh, spending, very gracious men in the sense of willing to spend lots of time with a person and just keep going over things until it came out right. Um, I'm not that patient. You know, if, if you ask me something, I'm going to tell you what I think, generally. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to waste time, which is... Not always a good thing, right? It, in my perception, it's wasting time, but it's not always time wasted, okay? So he was a tremendous balancer for me personally to have that influence in my life. But um, I just want to encourage you, you know, in other words, someone has to take that place, right? And somebody has to dedicate their lives toward those purposes, for things to keep going on. And, uh, you know, we're seeing some that are, like I've mentioned, 10 to 15 years here already. Others of you are brand new. And it might be you're just here for a window. We have students literally all over the globe. And every year we send out 30 or 50, whatever it turns out to be. And, uh, you know, some are back the next year, some are gone for good. But, in that, there's this knowledge that God wants to do something good while you're here. And so you have to find, this church might be your niche, it might not. You know, 
but the first few weeks are critical. So I encourage you to keep after this until you find a place and then lock in and throw yourself into it. And you'll profit and those around you will profit as well. Um, I want to go to Philippians 2 today. We're still kind of, I guess, in recovery from this funeral. Bill had had multiple myeloma for nine and a half years. It took a lot of the energy and sense of prayer and investment of this church uh, over those years. But now it's like this is a new season, and, and we still, you know, same God, <laughs> same opportunity to share in the body of Christ, and we're going to continue on in him that way. Sharon and I were talking the other day. What does it take to build long-term relationships that will last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. We've lived here longer than we've lived anywhere else in our lives. And, you know, when, you, when you're talking about relationships, at some point in that relationship, you realize that person has some problems, you know? <laughs> right? I mean, most of you haven't been married long enough, but I bet if we were to ask Kurt and Nancy... Nancy might have a few things that Kurt's done over the years that she doesn't appreciate, right? You know, 50 years, right? Uh, I always pick on Shars. So I figured I'd get someone else today. <laughs> but it's, it's one of those things where you recognize that there are these things that aren't perfect, but you're still, your lives are welded together. And how do you make that happen I've at times wondered, how does somebody live in the same town their whole lives and keep relationships going? Because regularly we get wounded or upset, or, you know, but you have to learn how to forgive and release and, and go on, and you have to, in a sense, embrace, even though there are things that aren't quite right. Um, and yet, in the Lord, you know, in this particular passage, Paul kind of lays out some things of getting along, and, and I just want to go through that. Finishing up the first chapter, he says, uh, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So he says, in other words, it's not just about you. It's not just about this group. But he says, we have a purpose in Christ that, we're, that brings our lives together. And he has spent some time that, you know, they were committed to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he, so there's a purpose that goes beyond ourselves. And that's what I want you to grab onto. When, when you link your arms with others in community, it better not be just so that you can feel good about yourself or just to gain for yourself. That's not enough to hold you together. At some point, you're going to say, I'm dissatisfied, or it's, it's not enough, and you separate. But in some ways, what Paul is saying, we have this eternal goal already laid out for us. We are pursuing Christ, and we are presenting his gospel to the lost until he comes or we die. So that's, that's the, the challenge kind of laid out and says, 
we're welded together in that task. He says, I, I want you to stand firm in one spirit and one mind, contending side by side. So he says, like, we're in this push together, and we're, we're linked, and, and we're just marching in him. He says, I want you to, to be one in purpose and mindset because of that goal. Not, not just that let the dominant one call the shots and, and we go together, but let Christ be the, the purpose that drives us. And he goes, he mentions before the end of that chapter, he says, it's been granted unto you the opportunity to believe and to suffer for him. And we're kind of going, I like the believe part. I'm not sure I'm connected to the suffer. But it was definitely a part of their thinking as a part of this task that they were on. When they were, he's going, this is just part and parcel of who we are as a people. You know, if you were to read the book of Revelation, you, re, you see the, the seven seals and the fifth one's broken open. And, and uh, it says, it's the, the souls of the saints are crying out, how long? And there's a declaration made, you know, it's all of those who are violently killed because of the word of God. And it's like, there is a group that are going to be a part of this until the end of time. So it wasn't just the New Testament, but it's ongoing. <coughs> Excuse me. It says each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to rest a little longer until the full number was reached. In Romans, as long as I'm in Revelation, I'll hit one before I get to the passage that I'm preaching on. Whatever. In Revelation 12, it says, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony that they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. So he, again, this idea that we are a body of believers committed to the cause of Christ, and if we are going to be like the New Testament believers, we're going to say, it doesn't even matter that death would come. This is what we are committed to. So that's the depth of purpose that these people were carrying. Chapter 2. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort provided by love, any fellowship through His Spirit, any affection or mercy, complete my joy being of the same mind, having the same love, being united in spirit and one in purpose. So he's calling the believers to unity by saying, if you've received anything good out of this relationship with God, I mean, if you've been encouraged at all, you've been comforted at all, if you've had any kind of benefit coming out of this, if you've had the Spirit of God working, then he says, I want you to, to commit yourself to being like-minded with each other, to a, a unity of purpose and goal together. And so, you know, we, we look at that and we say, well, obviously we've received but how committed am I to walking in the same mind with others, in the same heart, so to speak? He recognizes this isn't simple. Instead of, instead of being motivated by selfish ambition or vanity, each of you should, in humility, be moved 
to treat one another as more important than yourselves. So if you're going to dwell together with people for a long time, you're going to have to get rid of some of your own ambitions, right? You're going to have to see yourself as part, your identity has to be tied to a larger cause. You know, it's not just about you, so to speak, if you're stepping into uh, working in relationship for years and years and years. It's just like, you know, that was what you found out once you got married, right? You know, suddenly you realize, I've been pretty selfish. I mean, some people find that out. And then, <laughs> and then you have kids, and it, it intensifies even more. And, and you realize, wow, I thought I took care of a lot when we got married, and, and maybe you did. But there's a lot more. And then you step into community with others and you're going, oh, I'm going to have to give up some of my thoughts here or dreams. It's interesting, this word vanity that he, or, uh, yeah, that he used. Not, you're not, you can't be voted, motivated by your own vanity. I looked it up just for the kicks of it. What, you know, for some excessive pride and admiration of one's own appearance or achievements. So you can't be caught up in that. And the cinnamon, synonyms are amazing. Self def, self-conceit, narcissism, self-love, self-admiration, self-regard, self-absorption, self, you get the idea, self, 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 uh, egotism. I, and then there's a secondary thing for vanity. The quality of being worthless or futile. <laughs> that pretty well describes the selfish individual, Right? Worthless or futile. He says that can't be the driving force in your life if you're going to do this thing the way that God wants it done. Each of you should look look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others as well. So he revisits that idea and says, when you link arms with any group, then you are committing yourselves to laying aside your own agenda for a larger one than the group as a whole. So when we come together as a body of believers in Christ, and we're recognizing that He has called us to His eternal life and participation in His kingdom that will endure forever, we are taking that beyond our own pursuits of this day or this lifetime, or just for whatever's around us, and we're saying, there's a bigger cause here, and I'm committing myself to that. And so that means that I have to let go of some of the things that really are are things that I would like to have for myself, or things that I desire, but I realize there is something better to be had out of this. Isn't this wonderful? No, I mean, it's, it's like, I don't want to hear this, and yet I know that I need to. I, I don't necessarily, I, it's, it's not enjoyable to, to give way to someone else's wishes. But he says there is a better thing in store if we will. It's... It's like with me finding out 
like when we would have elders meetings and I would be going, it's time to draw a line. It's time to, and Bill's going, let's give him one more chance. And I'm going, you got to be kidding. Well, I'm so grateful to have had that influence because it made for a better decision coming out of that meeting. You know, and sometimes he's, I'm going, no. And he's going, okay. You know, (laughs) but that that praying together and, and chasing the Lord until you get his mindset rather than your own, it yields a better product. And that's what we're looking at is that if we allow ourselves to to participate with others and yield and be yielded to, what comes out is better for life than what we've had. Then he gives the illustration of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, you should have the same attitude as Christ Jesus, who though he existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped. So he said he had this really good situation and he had a great position, and yet he said, I'm willing to give that up for the Father's wishes. He, he was willing to submit himself for another's purpose. That's the example. He says he emptied himself by taking on the form of a slave, by looking like other men and sharing in human nature. I like that. It was a real downgrade to look like us and to, to become like us. The other day, Shar and I were out at our land and we were cutting some wood. And I found, I, I know it's not a maggot, but it's a type of worm that gets into maple trees. And uh, if you see the top dead on the tree, often you know that it's because of that worm. And it's, uh, it's about that long, and it's got kind of a hammerhead uh, shape, white, ugly. And I don't like them. That's what I'm mine. So I pulled it out, showed it to Char, and then I squished it. And I'm, but I'm, I'm thinking in regard to this passage, it's about like, Christ becoming a worm, or like us choosing to become like that so that they could benefit. You're going, he, he chose to, to do what, you know, and we're going, yeah, but he had, he had, you know, he saw people healed. No, it was anything you mentioned that way. If you create the, the earth, and you sustain everything, a little miracle here and there doesn't mean anything. You know, it, it's just anything you could declare about his life, you know, he's, well, he, he spoke it like no one else had ever spoken. He spoke the world into being. So, again, it was, he, he humbled himself. And so Paul's saying, that's the example set for us. Yeah, you think you've given up a lot? Well, the one that we follow gave up a lot. 
Really? Humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And so not only did he take on human form, but he actually allowed himself to be scorned by the worms around him, so to speak. As a result, God highly exalted him and gave him a name that is above every name. The idea of the, a name, so to speak, we, aren't, we don't use that a lot. Our names don't necessarily mean a lot to us. We, just, we like the sound and we give that to the person. Now, some of this generation is doing a little different. When you name your child Brave or Bear, you know, you, you are, you're taking on a little bit of that idea. But it, this would be almost like us calling someone a lieutenant. Well, you automatically know they're a part of the military. They have this title and position of leadership. Or, you know, if somebody is a CEO, you're going, okay, yeah, they're the head of this organization. If somebody's the president, you, the, again, that title. When the scripture was talking of a name, it was like saying the embodiment of the character of this individual is tied into their name. And so at the name of Jesus, there's an awareness now that he is over all things. And it says, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. There's a recognition. He has this position in place. And so when you hear his name, it calls a submission forward that says, Every knee will bow. Everyone will humble themselves before him. Everyone will declare, you are Lord. You rule. So that's how he was exalted. It says, dear friends, just as you have always obeyed in my presence, but continue to even more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with awe and reverence. It says, you have started in this with us, you're participating now. He says, you've been obedient, but continue down this path with awe and obedience, or reverence. And he says, for the one bringing forth in you both the desire and the effort is God. So even, even what we're attempting to do, he says, even the desires that you have, in a sense, are started by him. What an honor that is to just have him speak into our lives that way and to give us the wish to do what he desires. He says, do everything without grumbling and arguing. Okay, that's the opposite. So just going, children of God without blemish. Though you live in a crooked and perverse society, which you shine as lights in the world. So he's saying, if you'll commit yourself to this task, of walking forward in the purposes of God, uniting your heart and mind with others, and yielding and hum humbling yourself with others. He says that is going to shine in this society in a way that nothing else will. Because we know it's not the norm. If you commit yourself to this purpose of uniting your life with others, he says, that is a declaration to all those around. There's something unusual about them. 
when the Apostle John says they will know we are Christians by our love, the New Testament church had captured that idea and just saying it is more important that we function together than we isolate ourselves and function in our own wishes. That's part of the purposes that they had taken on. He finishes this particular portion by saying, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice. The only picture I get with that is that when you pour something out, it's gone. And he's just saying, if my life is just filtered out and gone as a result of these efforts, it's okay. He's committed himself to this path. Well, Lord, help us to do the same. Help us not to be so selfish that we're just chasing our own desires and goals, but let us commit fully unto you. Worship team, you can come on. I can see they're looking. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Lord, as we look at the year ahead, starting the school year in particular, ready or not, here it is, and uh, we're in it. And we would ask that uh, in this body of believers that you would weld together this group in such a way that your name would be honored and that it would shine like lights in the community. We ask that we will commit ourselves to your causes and purposes. We ask that we will be united in a front that chases you, gives ourselves wholeheartedly to your purposes. And may your name be honored and glorified through our lives, we ask. Amen. I want to pray for God's blessing upon you. We're going to continue on in worship. Ask a couple things of you. Students that have been here before, get with someone that hasn't been here. Introduce yourselves and help them to figure out the ropes, so to speak. Um, as I mentioned, these next couple weeks are critical for a lot of you to just get involved in a congregation. If you're going to survive up here as a Christian, it's just the reality of it. So just uh, those around, I just encourage you to help as much as possible to see that happen. I want to pray for God's blessing upon you now. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to function in community, one in mind and heart. I pray, Lord, as each one goes into the community that you give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you to stay. As I mentioned, it's going to take us a few weeks to get our act together here. Uh, we put a lot of energy into some things right up into the moment. But we hope to get to know you. Um, we'll work harder on that in the days ahead. And, uh, Lord bless you.